In the pre-marriage class that Nora Lynn and I have the honor to teach here at St. Michael, I get to present this portion on the covenants, the covenant between God and the people, and then within the context of marriage, this three-way covenant between two spouse and one God. And so I ask this question, what is the most important element in marriage given that it is a covenant? Now usually, you can imagine, usually there is this lively class of really competitive type A St. Michaelites, and invariably, invariably, one of them will call out love. Now as an answer, love is pretty darn good, especially when you have your intended sitting right next to you. Good answer, I always say, but nope. And this can be hard to understand, but in all things God, there is, of course, an order of operations. Is love important? You better believe it is. But is love the most important element in the covenant of marriage? Again, the answer is no. It's the same with our covenant with God. Is love important when we think about our bond with the Almighty? Of course it is. But in both instances, all elements are secondary to fidelity, faithfulness. Our gospel opens at the Jordan, and this river remains an important spiritual touchstone to all the faithful in Israel. It's here that the Hebrew slaves crossed over, led by God, into the land of milk and honey. It's here that the prophet Elijah struck those very waters with his mantle, and they parted for him and Elisha. And it was here at this Jordan where God said that the Christ would appear. And now John the Baptist looks out and sees Jesus, not merely as a relative, as a cousin, but someone much greater. Now the long-awaited Redeemer. John the Baptist declares that the Messiah has come. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sure enough, there is Jesus. Come to stand in those same holy waters to be with those who gathered there. Not the religious elite, not those who were sinless. God in Christ Jesus was present with the faithful, those who waited upon God. Now I'd like for you to hang on to this image that we've created here as we draw in and recognize this special weekend. Our nation has set aside a day and even a weekend to honor the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a man born to struggle, not only himself, but also on behalf of an oppressed people in this nation. Dr. King was a man who knew how to get things done, extraordinarily intelligent, and he put this intellect into service, preaching the Word of God. He was also like a great general. He found he could organize regular, ordinary people as they demanded equality. Dr. King believed that freedom was for every person, 
in every place, in every time. So much so that even if one person were not free, then all persons were captive. And yet the same man had many flaws. Most, it seems, publicized as to be common knowledge, and yet in the same way that someone like King David could be a man after God's own heart. So was Dr. King. Dr. King and King David, two men so alike, but not because of their sin, not because their sin was so consonant, but because of their fidelity to their God. In so many ways, faithful to God, almost because of their sin. And so now we see through the lives of these three men, King David, John the Baptist, Dr. King, this most important note of faithfulness within the human experience. Before their first journey to the Jordan, I don't believe John the Baptist and the people had any idea that Jesus was the Messiah, viscerally. What they did know was that just as they were faithful to their God, their God would show and then there would be a sign, just as it was promised. And so on that Jordan, on that day, the heavens opened up and the sign had come. They expected God to show, just as Dr. King had faith and expected God to show in the face of unimaginable punishment of African Americans. He expected the justice of our God would come to their aid. John the Baptist and Dr. King expected God to show not because they loved God, although they surely did, but because they were faithful to the scriptures that said God would appear and that their world would change. So friends, you know we come to St. Michael in all sorts of conditions and states. We wonder how we can recover or how we can help or even if we're good enough, or how to give thanks. And all of these are important issues for believers to wrestle with. And what we would say is that no matter what you face, hold tight. Are you in a tough spot these days? Scripture tells us that steadfastness, born of fidelity to the living God, will be your strength. Are you blessed to be in this place of joy and refreshment right now? Even now, this is the time to hold fast, to spur into greater trust and fidelity, which is our birthright in Christ Jesus. Epiphany is this wonderful time and this wonderful place in the church here to come face to face with the living God, where we all get to decide about the fidelity we are all invited towards. Through fidelity, we can expect to see God at work in our lives, even in the tough times. Through fidelity, we can expect to see a sign from God. Through fidelity, we can come to the peace which can 
only be found in God. And so this Sunday, I would ask that you take some time this week to just simply pause and think about this idea of fidelity. Fidelity to our God and hold fast to that no matter what is coming at you this week. Amen.